What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Between Two Tackles. I'm your host, Alex Pinelli, and alongside me, as always, is Ray Volo, Di Montalbano. The boys are back. Obviously, we had to get the boys back for the biggest game of the year. Let's just, let's call it what it is. It's the biggest game of the year, Ray. Uh, up till now, yeah. No, no, no. It's the biggest game of the year. Uh, no, so it's unlike your fucking Ricky Dig school. We have a rival, and you are not it. So no, it's <laughs> not the biggest game of the year. <laughs> Oh, I don't. Even, I don't even worry about that team up north. They, I'm sorry, I mean, but the fact the fact that you guys don't have a protected matchup is so embarrassing to your university. Like you guys have to get on that. Well, I'm glad that they didn't just give us like a throwaway. Like I'm glad they didn't just like give us like Michigan State or something, who's usually who we play in the rivalry week. So whatever it gives us more flexibility for scheduling. Okay. Okay. USC will become our rival. That's that's a spin zone. Yeah. Dino, how are we doing, buddy? Uh, doing great. Very excited for this weekend. Um, unlike you guys, I actually have a life full of meaning, and it doesn't just revolve around football. I'm going to rager. I'm <laughs> oh, I'm, stop I'm, right there. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It does. Um, I'm actually uh, – No, I was talking about your life having missing. meaning. Yeah, that's true. Uh, <laughs> but um, – Kind of bittersweet because I'm going to be missing like an hour and a half of uh, of obviously definitely the biggest matchup of the year so far between Penn State and Ohio State and that whole 12 o'clock slate because I will be raging at a uh, at a five-year-old's birthday party. No, I heard those get crazy. They do kind of get crazy. The The punch starts flowing, you know, you know how it goes. Are, are, do you know this five-year-old or are you crashing? I'm crashing. I'm crashing. <laughs> oh, a true Penn State fan. Yeah. <laughs> Go state. <laughs> All right. Before we get to uh, the game previews for week eight, let's talk about some prospects that had really good week sevens. Ray, kick us off here. Oh, uh, yeah. So I'm going to start off with your boy sauce. Uh, I, I don't know how to pronounce it. Is it Adisa? Adisa. Adisa, Adisa Isaac, a fifth year senior from, uh, I think he was out of Brooklyn, actually. So he's a, he's a low key local kid. But um, 6'4", 254 pounds. He was actually a top 100 prospect, too, but he really kind of just started developing. He's leading the uh, Penn State with five sacks and seven and a half tackles for loss on the year, and he absolutely dominated UMass this past week. Uh, four pressures, two and a half sacks on only 15 pass rushing snaps. I think he also had, like, three stops in the run game, too. Uh, he's a, he's really emerging as a nice uh, 1B to chop Robinson on the other end. And dude, having two edge rushers like that coming off the edge, really putting pressure on the offensive, the opposing team's offensive line and getting after the quarterback is a very valuable asset to have on defense. So uh, his emergence is really going to help you guys down the stretch when you guys lose this game. Mm, sure. Um, yeah. He's been great pretty much this whole year. He's been really balling and uh, love to see that, especially with the rotation of guys that they have. He's uh he's been standing out for sure for me. Um, it's a guy that we've talked about so much, especially with his eligibility <laughs> issue. It's it's Tez Walker. You've been uh, wait, you've been waiting to have him. As I re- I really have since we since we did the wide receiver summer scouting uh, rankings. I love this guy, um, and now it's nice to finally see him do it on the field with Drake May. It's been awesome the last two weeks. Um, second game back after his eligibility issues. Um, had six catches for 132 yards and three touchdowns against Miami. He's 6'3", 200 pounds, can really fly off the line of scrimmage, and he's just awesome tracking the ball down the field. It's really a match made in heaven 
with him and Drake May, and I feel like this UNC offense, you've seen it the last two weeks. They've really started to ramp it up with him. Um, I just love this dude. Uh, reading some of his story um, a couple days ago when he finally got cleared and wasn't highly recruited. Most teams wanted him to play defensive back, but he really wanted to play wide receiver. Uh, went to Eastern Tennessee, tore his ACL, missed the whole year. Um, then he stayed home. This guy worked at Bojangles to support himself and put him through rehab. Then he transfers to Kent State, um, and now he's at UNC with a very deep wide receiver class. I think he's going to have a great second half and put himself in that top 15 wide receiver conversation because I was thinking about how many wide receivers there are in this class and how good they are. There's like 30 guys I rattled like just off the top of my head that were top day two type of players. Um, so really impressive wide receiver class, and I think – He'll be uh, among the group. Nobody for Dino, unfortunately. Uh, So let's get homework. Uh, So let's get right to the games. We are obviously going to start with the big one. It's big noon kickoff, which absolutely blows, but whatever. What can you do? Get Gus and and Joel Klatt on the call. Number seven, Ohio State going to uh, number seven, Penn State going to number three, Ohio State. Ohio State, a four point favorite right now that line's been moving i saw four and uh, a half earlier yeah um right i'm gonna have you talk about penn state and i'm gonna talk about ohio state what does yeah. penn state need to do to get this win this was a real creative move on your part uh yeah I you like that it a little bit not really but uh, <laughs> i think this what it really could come down to i think dean kind of talked talked about it before the uh pod but drew aller in his first real true uh road test going back to ohio uh, I I feel like they got to get ease him into this game. I think it's going to really rely on Katron Allen and Nichols of Singleton. Uh, Ohio State's defense has been rock rock solid all fucking year, but they can be exposed on the run, in, in particular if they attack the edges. So I think you want to you don't want to ha- overwhelm the young for, uh, first year starter Andrew Aller, and he's going to have nerves. Obviously, he's playing in his home state, so I think running the ball effectively against this front. And then taking your time shots. Uh, one big matchup I'm really looking forward to is uh, Lambert Smith versus Denzel Burke, assuming he's going to be healthy. I think he's, I don't know. Uh, what you you don't think he is? I don't know, dude. I've been seeing some not so great things. I don't know. I looked yesterday, um, and uh, they said in a press conference that uh, H- Henderson, Ebuka, and um, Burke all have a shot to play. So I guess we will see. But I mean, if if Denzel Burke is in, I think that's that's where you're really going to shine. I don't know who's going to they're going to put up there, but maybe Noah uh, Noah I I don't know how to pronounce his last name. It's too hard for me. But that matchup there because I think he's really your one true threat on the edge of uh, receiver. So I do think he's going to be the main target. That maybe we even have to maybe Ohio State will even try to double cover. Uh, who knows? But on the defensive side of the ball, it's another one first year starter in Kyle McCord. I think it's going to come down to uh, Manny Diaz's team uh, defense, and really, I want. I think I wouldn't be surprised if they just try to confuse them and pressure heavy up the middle. I mentioned earlier they got those two edge threats uh, coming off the edge, where you could, those tackles for Ohio State are kind of they, they're not the best. You know, they're not what they've had in the past. So, I think two edge threats, and then if you just collapse the fucking pocket from the interior, maybe drop some people out and try to get a, a force a, a mistake from McCord. That's really what you're going to be. I think I really do think it's going to come down to defense in this game. I think the better defense is going to win the game for the team. Yeah, um, I'm going to start with the injuries for Ohio State because 
it's messy right now, but um, it seems like it seems like Henderson is trending in the right direction. But I think they're still going to be cautious with him. Um, Abuka, I saw something that he was limping like all practice today, which isn't a great sign. But maybe he'll battle through. And it seems like Denzel Burke is the least likely to play. Maybe he does play, but wasn't out there today. So not sure about his availability. Um, for Ohio State, offensively, this team's gotten going a little bit the last two weeks, even though they had slow start against Maryland. Um, the big thing for this team, you mentioned it, is the offensive line. Can they hold up against this Penn State D-line with the rotation of guys that they have and how creative Manny Diaz is? Um, if they can give McCord enough time to make throws, I think their offense will overtake this game because, like you said, I don't think Penn State has a ton of offense um, to give them, and it really is going to be a defensive battle. But um, if he can hit on some explosive plays, I think that'll be massive for them. And we mentioned Manny Diaz. Big thing for McCord is recognizing where blitzers are coming from and hitting the check down. I think Stover is going to be really key for them in this game, getting the quick game out. Um, when blitzes are coming and then defensively oh sorry I'm really um, curious also to see what Ryan Day has game plan wise if Abuka doesn't play because if Abuka doesn't play Manny Diaz is completely going to take Marvin Harrison out of this game Um, he will be triple covered the entire game so curious to see what Ryan Day has schemed up for getting other guys open um, yeah, scheme up the other four or five star receivers on their team. On. I mean, they're still young guys though that haven't played a lot. Don't insult my guys. Don't do it. You're acting, <laughs> you're acting like Kyle McCord is Andrew Luck that he I'm can not, just no, I'm make, just saying, make anybody good. I'm just saying, don't insult my guys. The five stars. Uh, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> uh, defensively for Ohio State, you need to just sell out against the run. Even though Katron Allen and Nick Singleton have not been as good as they were last year, this running game can obviously get going at a moment's notice. Um, Penn State just doesn't throw the ball down the field. They don't have the wide receivers to win one-on-one. So for the corners of Ohio State, you need to hold up. You need to win even in the scramble drill because that's where Drew Aller really likes to make his money. And then if you can get pressure on Drew Aller, which honestly this offensive line for Penn State hasn't been that good, you need to take him to the ground. He's big, he's physical, he's tough to take down, and he's really good in the scramble drill, and that's where their explosive plays come from. Um, so the unscripted stuff, corners have to be really sound in that aspect for sure. Yeah, it's not something they're too particularly good at, but we'll see. Dino, what do you got for us uh, in terms of a betting angle in this game? Yeah, no, so uh, I'll get into the marker report, uh, which which had this uh, which had this line and had this spread. Uh, due to massive, massive appeal, of course, this was obviously, as we've said and touched on many times, uh, the biggest matchup to date in the college season. And uh, it opened up actually a few weeks prior at a ton of shops. That's what happens when you have big matchups like that. Uh, for example, you could go on to your betting, um, whatever you use, may it be DraftKings, FanDuel, Caesars, whatever it be, you could probably... And most of them, if not all, go and bet on, say, in Ohio State, Michigan, which is, you know, a few weeks out as well. Um, There it opened at 10, surprisingly, uh, being in favor of Ohio State and has subsequently reopened this week at four and a half in favor of still 
uh, Ohio State, but obviously a, a market drop from 10 down to four and a half, which it has stand, stand, stood pat for the most part. Um, you could catch five, maybe five and a half, I believe is available, uh, maybe juiced a little bit to uh, to the Ohio State side. But uh, Team Ohio State uh, for our you know, for our ATS report has gone three, one and one so far um, in their last five. And of course you have your ATS darlings in Penn state who have been one of only three teams in college football to be perfect against the spread throughout. Uh, it is wagon. No, yeah, it is to no, <laughs> it is to no wonder that they have uh, right now, currently uh, 65% plus of the handle in this one uh, for the total, which again, open weeks back, came out at actually a staggering 56 and a half. I feel like the, <laughs> I feel like what we should do next year almost across the board is just find these big games that open up way too early and just hammer the under. Yeah. It is funny looking at all of these and how far they come down. But as far as this week concerned, it reopened at, at 48 and a half. And when you thought it couldn't drop lower, it took considerable under money and is down all the way to 45 and a half. Thanks to, and this is a big reason why thanks to five out of the last six for OSU going under. And although Penn state's games have been four and two to the over um, thanks to mostly offensive outbursts, they have done fantastically defensively against these teams. And of course that is a, a, a steep drop in competition, but this will be a tremendous uptick in defensive prowess that they will be facing which, with Ohio state. Yeah. I'm really curious about this, this over underline because I think I looked it up. It was like the last like six years have gone over this line, but obviously Ray and I were talking about this and I feel like the defenses are much better in this game compared to the offenses, especially in years past. Um, so I'm really curious how this game ends. Cause I can see this being a high scoring game, but I could also see this being an absolute slugfest. Yeah, I, I honestly, another I, crazy over under total uh, that opened up weeks back. That is just hilariously below it. Yeah, I can't see this being a slugfest, to be honest with you. I think this is going to be a, a fucking, uh, like, just an absolute slugfest. Like, a slugfest in, like, a, a boxing match, like, sense. Like, they're going to be beating the shit out of each other. And it's going to be, like, a 24-20 final. So, the under? Yes. <laughs> All right, let's get to the second game. We got number 17, Tennessee, going to Tuscaloosa to face number 11, Alabama. Alabama is in an eight-and-a-half-point favorite right now. Ray, talk to me about the Tide and how they need to keep it rolling. They snuck away with a close win again last week. I mean, I was just saying, survive in advance. That's just Alabama's mentality this year. This is really the most unique Alabama team I think I've seen since watching the sport. Their O-line is still struggling, and it's just causing them not to be able to run the ball. They're only running. The, they're only rushing for 148 yards a game. I think it's like 3.8 yards per attempt, which is just abysmal. Um, for offensive purposes... Milrose kind of starting to get it going, but really typically just downfield. He's been hitting his uh, deep shots really well. I think I saw a stat is like 61% completion percentage on balls, 20 plus yards downfield. And I don't think he's thrown a pick it's just it, when it comes to underneath stuff and making the simple plays, he's abysmal. He was less than 50% completion percentage last week. So I think for this offense to really get going, I think what would help his ability to make those short passes get going is to get this run game going a little bit. I don't know how that's going to happen against a tough Tennessee front, but this old line, if they can make some spaces for McClellan and uh, Roydell Williams, I think that will really help open up those short shots for uh, Jalen Milrow. And then in turn, that will even help them throw the ball even more uh, well downfield. 
And then the one thing this Alabama defense is not, it's this Alabama defense is a typical Alabama defense. I love the pairing of Dallas Turner and Chris Broswell off the edge, similar to what we we're talking about with uh, Penn State. I think they're going to give uh, Joe Milton's life hell. I think they're going to contain him in the pocket. He's a big boy, but they'll be able to bring him down. I think this Alabama defense is going to hold the hold down the fort, and I think they're going to come out with a win. But that being said, that eight and a half line is kind of preposterous. Yeah, I don't think they should be as bad as even though Tennessee. I mean, they keep They're winning both. these. They keep winning these games. Um, Alabama should not be favored by eight and a half against anybody. Yeah, right. I mean, I don't know <laughs> what they're. I mean, maybe not any. I mean, something, yeah, something, you know obviously. what I mean. Yes, but like <laughs> a, a, t- a tough matchup. I mean, come on. Um, I'm going to start on the defensive side for Tennessee. You mentioned this defensive line. They've been great um, all season. James Pierce has six sacks. Tyler Barron has five sacks. You really need to keep Jalen Milrow in the pocket and take him down because all Alabama can really do is run for no yards and throw deep shots. That's legitimately their game plan. They run for no yards on first down, and then they let Milrow huck it down the field. They don't have anything in the intermediate part of the field. Um so can you keep the game close against Alabama where they still have to throw and you can let that pass rush get after it? I think that's the key to the game. If they can get to Milrow and take him down, um, they should be able to stay in this game. And offensively, this team is so different than what Josh Heupel had last year with Hendon Hooker where they could just throw it all around the yard. When they beat Alabama last year, I mean, Jalen High went absolutely crazy last year. That's not going to happen this year. This is a running football team first. Um, so how many stack boxes are you going to see against Alabama with Jalen Wright? Um, is Alabama going to just completely sell out to stop the run and force Joe Milton to make throws? If they can scheme up some easy throws for him down the field, um, they might have a shot to to win this game. But you're really just not going to be able to dink and dunk um, and get all the way up the field against Bama. Their D, their D line is too good, and they have too many athletes on the back end. So, curious to see what what Heupel has has drawn up for for Joe Milton to make things a little bit easier for him. It's crazy how this is this game is a mirror image of what it was last year. Like, what was the final in last year's? It was like ninety. Was like they put up. Yeah, it was like fifty-two to forty-eight, right? Yeah, something like something crazy. Like, dude, this is not. It's just it's the opposite. I think <laughs> these teams are very similar. Except yeah. that Alabama can't run the football. I mean, similar in that they're both disappointing as shit, right? Yeah, something like that. Dino, what do you got for us uh, betting angle? Oh, yeah, baby. Uh, so, <laughs> for, for the Mark report on this one, um, the line opened up at Tennessee plus nine and a half. And I could not agree more with you guys. I I don't know how that was chosen. Um, nine and a half. I, I don't think that this is a team that is deserving of that even though I am someone who who thinks Jalen Milrow can be serviceable and, and can potentially win your games if you design, you know, an offensive game plan that is really tailored to his skill set, short and long balls, holy shit, anything 10 to 15 yards, don't even have it, don't even have routes set up for it. It's, it's actually abysmal. Uh, but Surprisingly, at that, Tennessee has actually not taken overwhelming money at plus nine and a half. The public and and even sharp betters 
are still willing to uh, lay the nine and a half and go Bama, but it has ticked down to eight and a half now, as you guys talked about. For our ATS re- report, Tennessee has been four and two against the spread, while Bama has been four and three, which I was even shocked to see that. I thought it was worse. Uh, the real movement that's, in this that's actually lies. so surprising. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how Uh, the real movement in this line lies in the total, which opened a few weeks ago. Again, another big time matchup that uh, a lot of sports books, not even not even offshore ones, but ones that you you have right here in in the States, uh, really kind of the household names. Even they're starting to do this. They put it up at a staggering uh, number of sixty six and a half. And of course, that number plummeted to forty-eight and a half, which it has stayed. Uh, which it has stayed put. What are we doing most of the week? I don't know. How are we missing out on that? I feel like I always point these out, and I'm always just like, if you were able to get the earliest line on it, I don't know. They just come out crazy like this, and it was definitely foreseeable that this Bama, this Bama offense would would regress, and this Tennessee offense would would drastically, not even drastically, but regress as well. You know, they, they lost some big time guys. Another pair, um, you know, big time teams, like I said, which have been favorable to the under better in the first seven weeks of the season. Tennessee's unders uh, being four and one in the last five and Bama's being three and two. Crazy. Guess we know where I, we're going, huh? Yeah. Right. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I feel like we'll do it next year and it'll be laughably the other way. But but these are this is becoming more and more available. Like when I told you guys the other day that it was available that you could bet on Michigan, Ohio State right now. A lot of people do not know that, but you could bet the over under in that game. I just I hate betting games early. I feel like there's so many I injuries do too. in football and so much changes. It, yeah, but that's where you could technically get the most value, of course. Yeah, but I feel like the, getting the value is kind of luck in a sense. Yeah. Like, I know, you know what but, I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Of course it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it, is. But it, yeah. it could it could be half luck, but it could be a lot based on where you think the trajectory of the team is going to go. True. Very true. All right, let's get to our third game. We got number 16, Duke, going to number four, Florida State. Florida State, a 14.5 point favorite right now. Ray, talk to me about this Duke team. Uh, Riley Leonard, not sure what his status is for this game. Yeah, so they they were saying that they're not going to push him like if he's not healthy and like he can't help this team win or he he's at risk of re-injuring that ankle, they're not going to give it to him. So I think he warmed up last week, right? And I then don't, he didn't go. I'm not entirely sure if I'm being completely honest, but I mean this the whole status of this Duke team comes down to whether Riley Leonard can play or not. Uh, these last two weeks they've just been miserable passing the ball. Uh, I think Leonard completed 44% of his passes against Notre Dame, and then last week the backup Henry Bellin completed 33% of his passes. So, I mean, you can't win a game against a top five team. If you, if you have a passing attack like that, it's not possible. Uh, but so I think their best shot is to keep Riley Leonard, get Riley Leonard back. Hopefully if he is back, he's not too um, incapacitated where he still has that mobility, which makes him such a threat. And then um, the real good thing about this Duke team, the two major positives, this offensive line is elite. They keep him upright there. I think they're they rank ninth in the country in sacks allowed with five sacks in, uh, through the first six or seven games, uh, and then this defense in particular as well. Well, I mean, I guess before the defense, I just want to say I'm ex- I'm ecstatic to see this Barton versus Verse matchup. I think uh, you know me; I'm a big Graham Barton fan, and Jared Verse obviously is edge number one in this class. So I think that that's going to be a matchup to watch in this game. 
But then also this Duke defense has been so fucking stout. Uh, 9.8 points allowed against. It's fourth in the country. And then they've just done so well getting off the field on third downs in the last two weeks, which I think is a must if you're going to be a road dog and go in and get the upset. Uh, versus Notre Dame, they held them to 3 of 15 on third down. And NC State, they held them to 4 of 15. So if you get Leonard back, he's able to have his legs with them. And then this defense can contain Jordan Travis and get off the field and get Riley Leonard the ball back. I think they have a really good chance to keep this game close and maybe pull out a fourth quarter upset. Yeah, for Florida State offensively, you're getting Johnny Wilson back this week, which is great for for this offense because it really has been a Keon Coleman show the the past few weeks. Oh, before before Uh, you advance, that catch he made last week was one of the craziest things I've ever seen in my life. Cray, cray. It's hilarious, too, because – who they who they play last week? Syracuse. Um, Syracuse. Their coach was like, "Who was that?" Keon Coleman. Like he he hyped him up at he hyped him up after the fact, but I was like, "Coach, one, you just scouted this team all week. Like you know who the fuck that is, and two, he just dominated you guys. Like you better know his fucking name." Yeah, that's insane. Uh, but uh, yeah, you get Johnny Wilson back. You also get uh, Bless Harris back, who's their left tackle who missed the last two games. This defensive line for Duke is really good, like you said. They're going to push this Florida State offensive line, who I think when coming into this season we thought would be a lot better. They haven't been great, um, especially getting this run game going. So hopefully this Florida State O-line can protect Jordan Travis, who, again, he's another one who hasn't been healthy all year. He does not look like the same guy he was last season. I think that shoulder injury is definitely hurting him. He just has missed on a, a ton of throws this year. So. Can Jordan Travis evade pressure and find the playmakers? Because I don't think Duke has enough offense to stay with this team. As long as Jordan Travis doesn't turn it over, which I don't think he's turned it over all year, um, they can they can win this game pretty easily. Um, defensively, these linebackers with Deloach, DJ Lundy, they need to be solid against this Duke run game. This Duke this Duke running attack. The two running backs have been really good. And then especially if Riley Leonard plays, um, they got to be sound. This Florida State team has been burned by QB runners this year, so the guys will have to be solid. Jane Daniels ran over them. Uh, Castellanos, again, for Boston College, also ran against them. So have to be sound if Riley Leonard plays and, and get him to the ground early. Do you know what he got for us for the market report? Oh, Oh, my gosh. Crazy neck crack, sorry. But yeah, for the market report, I had uh, this line opened up at 14 and a half. So a little bit over two touchdowns. Uh, and obviously it's minus 14 and a half for the Florida State Knowles at home. And this obviously has pretty heavily Im- implications on Duke starting quarterback Riley Leonard, which you guys alluded to at the start of this breakdown, would be out. Um then the line quickly went through the key of 14. Uh, this was about Tuesday, Wednesday, even Thursday, even today early. You could have probably got this in 13 and a half. But it has firmly come back to this point and which at the open of 14 and a half, which to me means that it's pretty apparent that he will sadly sit out this one, which would have been a really, really fun you know, ACC matchup. For our ATS report, the Blue Devils have been 4-2, covering in an impressive, impressive fashion. One of the best covering teams in the country, uh, regardless of just being 4-2. When they cover, oh boy, do they cover. 
throughout. Uh, and then the Knolls have also been four and two as well, but some barn burners for sure. For the total, another indicator in my mind that Riley Leonard will will for sure be out here. I, I really, again, don't see him playing. Uh, and I feel like the market will sh- shows it again here is that the total opened up at a crucial number of 51 and a half. As you guys know, 51 is one of the most crucial total numbers in college football. And it has gone through that number is now down to 49 and a half. Knowles games have gone over, though, at a four to two clip to the over. Uh, and again, another team that goes over by quite quite a large margin. While Duke has split it so far, thanks to very, very impressive defensive performances throughout the year with three overs and three unders. Nice. Love it. Love All right, you. let's get to our final game here. Got number 14, Utah, going to number 18, USC. USC coming off a tough loss to Notre Dame, but... Hey, it doesn't affect them for the Pac-12 championship, though. Ray, talk to me about this USC team and how they need to get back on the right track. Yeah, I mean, Caleb Williams is coming off his worst game of his college career. He's really struggling to read a D through three picks. I think for him to get get back on his feet and just start uh, progressing a little bit, I want him to be a little bit more uh, direct when he gets the ball. I don't want him to hold it as long as he does. He kind of runs around and plays that backyard style. I'd rather him be a little bit more deliberate get the short game, maybe anticipate a little bit better. But that being said, he's I know they lost twice to Utah last year. Both were not home, and but they did average 33 points per game. So he has not shown an issue with scoring against this Utah defense. Uh, and then also this USC defense has obviously been the Achilles heel for this team, but they played a hell of a game last week. Low key, they did not lose in that game. They only allowed 250 yards. Uh, I think it was like 125 passing, 125 on the ground. Uh, this this defense, it, their weak point is their tackling. I've said it for the last two years now. If they can find a way to just clean that up, wrap up, and bring down, and in particular the running game, I think they have a really good shot being this Utah offense that has been, I mean, anemic to say the least. Uh, and then also the penalties and turnovers. I mean, they they were getting lit up on penalties and turnovers last week. That can't happen if you're going to if you're going to beat a Utah team. This Utah team is the defending two time Pac twelve championship for champions for a reason. So, I mean, obviously no Cam Rising, I'm assuming. So, I think that they have a good chance in this defense to pull this out. I don't know what the line is off the top of my head, but uh, it's seven. I, yeah, I think that's an appropriate line, especially considering they're at home. Right. Um, I'm going to start on the defensive side for Utah because I really think that's where they're going to have to win the game. They're going to need to take playbook out of Notre Dame uh, from last week and just really attack this offensive line because they were not able to hold Caleb Williams upright. Um, and they really, Notre Dame really got after him last week. And obviously you saw that with, with the three picks. Um, this Utah defense has been really good all season, especially stopping the run. Um, they're also top five in the country in sacks. But I was looking, their pressure rate, they're in like the 50s nationally, which I thought was really interesting. So when they are getting pressure, they are getting the sack which is nice, but I think that number needs to go up against this USC offensive line and against Caleb Williams. You cannot let him escape and just make plays off script because that's where he will absolutely kill you. Um, I think you need to make him throw early. It's kind of funny. You were saying you want to see Caleb throw early. I think you need to make Caleb throw early um, and then just be really sound tackling, which this defense is. I know USC has so many playmakers, but I'd rather have a wide receiver – try to carve up a defense and run 60 yards 
then letting Caleb escape, dance in the backfield, and then huck one for for 60 yards for a touchdown. So um, I think you need to get after him, make him get the ball out of his hands early. Um, And then offensively, you said it, this offense has been anemic all year, but last week they finally put it together a little bit, albeit it was against Cal. Um, but Bryson Barnes has taken over that job now from Nate Johnson. They can throw it a little bit more with him. Um, this USC defense really hasn't stopped anybody. So if he can avoid turning it over and you can let this run game go with Vaki and Jackson, just drag out this game, limit the possessions that USC gets. Hopefully you have a one score game going into the fourth quarter. Dino, talk to us about the market report. Yeah, baby. The matchup we've all been waiting for, Utah, <laughs> USC, the real gem for Saturday. Uh, obviously, that's why it is on prime time and not in the 12 o'clock slate like State versus uh, versus Ohio State. Well, they're also in California, so. Yeah, that's 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 obviously Would have been a part of it. Nine, nine o'clock I'm, kickoff. I'm obviously, <laughs> I'm obviously joking, but this is a big matchup. And a big rivalry. You could see uh, Kyle Whittingham. He he gets into it, and he and and honestly, there's going to be a lot of fire out there with or without Cam Rising. For the marker report, this bad boy opened up at Utah plus five and a half, even to Utah plus six and a half at some shops. And thanks to sixty percent of the money being on USC, Utah is now at plus seven. This would indicate to me that the public and sharps have little to no faith in a potential cam rising showing. I don't know how you would. It would be fucking dope if it does, but I doubt it. For our ATS report, the Utes have gone three and three, while the Trojans have gone a surprising two and four. For the total, this potential banger opened up at anywhere from 57.5 to 56 and is now down to 54.5. Again, another large indicator in Cam Rising, probably not playing. I would say there's maybe a 5 to 10% chance, and I would say that would high. And this is also in large part due to unders hitting five out of six times this year in Utah games, thanks to the absence of Rising and domination of that Utah defense. Nice. It's kind of crazy that they, like, Tease rising would play the opening week and he's just not back. It's I, it almost I was listening to uh cover three and it and they were under the impression that like he might not play all like all year. I was reading something that they may redshirt him. Crazy. Yeah, that imagine that's, that's what seventh year. Imagine if they fucking redshirt him. That's crazy. We were talking about him possibly being the backup for the Jets last year. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be dope. I would love if the Jets got him, but I still find it very odd because there was almost, there was just so much certainty. I heard so much certainty around just like, you know, handicappers and and stuff along those lines and, and beat writers and all this, that, that, you know, if it got to the point where he, they weren't going to play him against Oregon state, that it would just be, it's totally fine. He's a, for sure fire after the buy a hundred percent going to play for especially for for the you know when it comes to to conference play i'm just shocked that he hasn't yeah really be dope if he came out to like to like stone cold steve austin music though this week like <laughs> in, the be fourth, in the fourth quarter <laughs> honestly if cam rising, <laughs> what is this? cam rising plays they win by a million <laughs> it's like it's like when dean portman showed up for the third period of the ducks yeah. versus varsity That's- that's exactly what I was thinking, too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fellas, good stuff. Uh, let's get to the main event. Let's talk some units. Who wants to start? How did we do last week? 
Oh, I lost everything last week for college. I've old stuff. Yeah, um, USC money line. I knew that was a trap. I just sprinkled (laughs) Um, Oregon. Oregon money line, uh, their coach blew it out. Going for it on fourth down was the dumbest thing, dude. There's been so many blunders in college coaching. I digress. That was brutal. And then uh, my teaser lost because USC got fucking their shit thrown in their face. So yeah, five units down. Nice. Do you know what you have? Yeah, my absolute hammer got hammered. I I, I gave out the hammer bet. Can't lose. It was my first hammer bet that lost actually this year so i'm very proud of that but uh put full full five units on ucla money line against an oregon state team and wow they did everything i said not to do dante i think had three picks in the first four minutes i actually and it was i love and it's so funny because i prefaced the bet by saying i loved how free they were with Dante and how they would, even if he made mistakes, would just like say, do it again, do it again, do it again. I loved that. And I thought it was building confidence, but LOL, it was, it was their demise. Exactly what I thought would help them. So tough. Um, I I was positive last week. I lost a one and a half unit uh, money line parlay. I had Maryland who lost outright. Uh, I had Wisconsin who lost and uh, JMU, who's been my wagon for the last couple weeks. They won. Good stuff, JMU. Um, but I did hit a tease under 62 and a half in the Georgia Vanderbilt game and under 63 and a half in the Penn State game when Penn State had 63 points. Um, so escaped, <laughs> escaped with that one. Um, and then I had Michigan over four and a half touchdowns for one and a half unit. Michigan has been absolutely rolling. And uh, you're going to see a couple of Michigan bets for me this week, too. They started off slow last week. I know. They just got it. They're so weird. They can just like steamroll drives, though. Yeah. All right, fellas. Who wants to uh, kick it off this week? I'll give you guys the lock if you guys really want free money. Um, But let me hear. Two and a half units. I didn't get the best of this number, but I'm overly confident in it. So maybe avoid it at all costs i don't know i'm still hot i'm still hot as fuck i just want that to be known i'm still up 11 plus units on the year firmly in first but uh two and a half units on the under in clemson versus miami that's 48 and a half minus 110 sadly i wasn't able like i said to get the best of this number which opened above 51 which I would have jizzed to get, but I, I'm more than happy to put money on this over considering, you know, TVD has an already injured right leg and rumor has it an additional two, maybe even three ligament tears in his throwing hand, which has had tape on them of late pair that with them facing a top 10 defense in the country and Cade Klubnick and this offense kind of just flat out blowing. So under 48 and a half and Glock that the fuck up. Then, oh, oh. Yeah, you get one more. Two and a half units, go state, plus five and a half. Like, come on. Let's go. Dude. The ATS darlings. Have I bet them once? Bootlicker. No, that that makes me feel really awful about the game, though. No, but give it to me, plus five and a half, go state. Fuck off. Love it. Ray, what do you got? Uh, I got two bets here. So my, my hammer, three units on... Under 10 and a half first quarter, Alabama versus Tennessee. <laughs> Love it. 
<laughs> I'm just going. I just love the under. The Alabama starts off slow. I think this. I think this is going to be like a touchdown. Maybe I don't even know. If, I think it'll probably be six points in the first quarter. That was minus one forty eight, and then my second one. Uh, I'm going over 61 in Washington State versus Oregon. I think Oregon's offense is going to come out fucking rolling. And Washington State can still throw the ball a little bit. So I think they'll put up a fair share, a decent amount of points, too, to help that get over. Nice. Uh, that was two units on that. Minus nice. Um, for me, we were talking about the under in, in this game, how it came all the way down. But Utah, USC, I'm taking the over 52 and a half. Um, Oh, I, I think USC, I think this is a big rebound game for Caleb, and I think they go for 30-plus. And I don't think USC's defense is is anything special, even against a bad offense. I still think Utah gets into the 20s. Um, so I got over 52.5 for one unit, minus 110. Um, now we'll start with a couple of Michigan <laughs> Michigan bets. Michigan team total over 34.5, minus 110 for 1.5 units at Michigan State. Michigan State has just been abysmal all season, and Michigan's really starting to find themselves on offense. So I think this line needs to be closer to 42. Um, So I'll take 34 and a half team total. And then I have a 10 point tease. I have Michigan minus 14 at Michigan state. I have UNC minus 13 and a half uh, at home against Virginia. And then I have Texas minus 13 and a half looking for a big rebound game um, coming off the bye after their loss with Oklahoma at Houston, um, for minus one twenty, two and a half units there as well. Let's go, boys! Let's go. All right, fellas, that's going to wrap it up for us here on Between Two Tackles. Thank you for listening. Hopefully, you enjoyed our Week Eight college football preview. Stay with us. We got Week Seven of the NFL. We got some draft stuff coming up, so stay locked in. As always, please rate and subscribe to the pod and follow our Twitter at Two Tackles with the number two. You can also find us on UnderdogPodcast.com and stick with us. We continue this twenty twenty three twenty twenty four season, fellas. Appreciate you. Go state.